Master Sergeant Chad Hardesty is the Commandant for the Edwards Airman Leadership School at Edwards Air Force Base, California. He spent 14 years in two special duties in the security forces and enlisted professional military education communities. He currently develops entry-level supervisors through a five-week leadership development course. Additionally, he's grown a passion for driving digital transformation through the education lenses while building an innovation ecosystem across the Air Force within the educational community. Also recently, Chad was selected as one of the very few as a fellow for the Defense Ventures Fellowship Program and partner with AFWorks. He's going to learn what great looks like in emerging technology and bring commercial best practices back into the U.S. Air Force and Department of Defense. In this episode of HeroFront, we go over the top five lessons learned from Chad as an ALS instructor and then also as an ALS Commandant, teaching professional military education for our airmen. But this talk was so much more than I anticipated. You see, Chad is not your ordinary airman. His innovative and forward-thinking mindset shined throughout each and every lesson that he presented to me, and his big picture mindset was absolutely eye-opening. The things that Chad talks about that are his core values were music to my ears, and I am so thankful that a forward thinker like Chad is in the unique position that he is to bring positive change. This episode was a ton of fun, so without further ado, let's get after it. All right, so first question for you, who would play you in a movie? All right, this is easy. So uh, Chief Vassar, Jason Barnshaw would play me in the movie. And I always say that. <laughs> I only say that because, uh, you know, I was an ALS instructor. He was my commandant. And, uh, you know, we spent three awesome years together. Uh, and everybody always dubbed me as Little B. And so nice. I was just kind of like a, a mini version of him. And, and I truly believe that he would be the one person to understand how to play me in the movie. So that that's my guy. I love that. And he's here at Eglin and I, I was able to, to meet with him once and fantastic guy. Love the guy. So what actor would play you in a movie? Ooh, man, actor. You know, I'm going to tell you this. If I asked my wife, she would know because she's the movie buff in the family. <laughs> but if I had to guess, I can't think of his name, but the new Spider-Man. Mm, Tom Holland? The new Spider-Man. Yes. Okay, that's no, that's a I great choice. Yeah, everyone loves that guy. So, yeah. I, I only say that because I think he's a super tall guy. I'm not super tall. I'm not uh, either. How tall are quirky. you? 5'7". That's the same height as me. Hey, short dude mafia, let's go. <laughs> All right, next question. What book should every airman read? Start with what? And I won't say that just because it's Simon Sinek uh, and because it's, you know, a popular book. Uh, so we give that book out to our airmen. Uh, that's kind of like a piece of an investment to them. But I do honestly believe we're in a time and age that when I came in 2007, I could, I could not give that book to probably even a seasoned NCO. Uh, but the times we're in now, 
uh, everybody's coming into the Air Force or DOD and understanding what it is that they want to accomplish, but they might not understand themselves or understand why they're doing the things they're doing. Uh, and so that would be the book because we can go down this path for years of understanding, yeah, I want to do this and I want to be like this person. And I want to do that. Uh, but then when you understand your why, it takes you down a totally different trajectory. And so that would be my choice. No, I, <clears throat> the older I get, the more I value purpose, which kind of falls into what, like your why, you know what I mean? Just finding that purpose. And, you know, if you're going to invest 20 plus years in the air force, you, you're going to need to find purpose or you're, or you're not going to make it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So nah, I love and, that. And I, and I would say this, man, is, you know, people spend 20 years and realize at 20, like, oh, I got to stay in two more years because I don't know what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. so, you know, the earlier that we can teach our airmen to understand their why and their purpose and what they want to do, uh, they won't just start checking boxes. They'll check boxes because they're like, hey, I want to actually do this. And now I need to figure out what I need to do to do what that is and kind of progress down that down that line. Yeah, I feel like everyone's going to run into that at a certain point. But if you can get that thought in their head early, that's I love that, man. It didn't hit me till I was in for like 10 years. And then I was like, what is my why? I, I don't know. And yeah, you don't want to you don't want to have that on your mind 10 years in to the service. If you can have that on year one, I mean, by year 10, you'd be on a path that on, on something you're very passionate about. No, absolutely. You wouldn't need the Air Force. You'd be off doing something else. Yeah. I mean, some people would stay in because they enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, no. So 2019, until I worked for Chief Master in Nation, uh, I didn't understand my why. I mm. truly didn't. I and I even read the book. I thought I knew. Uh, and so, you know, for me, uh, you know, it, it took me 11 years to understand my why, my purpose, and what I wanted to do. So, yeah, imagine if I would have understood that year one or two. Well, then I guess that's my, my next question to you then, man. Um, how did he help you find your why? So first, I think, you know, I always talk about the importance of, of being me and, and, and truly being yourself, right? Uh, you know, everybody wakes up every, every morning, they, they look in the mirror, uh, you know, they shave, they brush their teeth, they shower, they talk to their loved ones, they hang out with their kids. Uh, and then when you put that uniform on, everything you just did, you wouldn't do when you put that uniform on. Say honestly, probably seventy to eighty percent of people across across the force they change when they put that uniform on, right? Whether it's due to their job, their responsibility, uh, the people they work around, or maybe their leadership at their squadron group or wing is like, hey, uh, you know, if you want to promote, this is what you need to do, and this is who you need to be. I can sit here and tell you, anybody that's ever had a conversation with me, anybody that knows me, uh, I'm Chad in uniform, outside of uniform. Uh, I don't conform. I do conform to the AFIs, right, and the guidance, that portion, right, customs and courtesies. Those things are important. Uh, but how I talk to you in uniform and how I talk to uh, a general officer, it does not change, right? And, and, and a lot of people don't like that. But at the end of the day, this is being me got me here. And that's, mm -hmm. that's something that he made me realize. Like, don't change, right? Um, there's, there was tons of things that I did when I worked for him that people on the outside were like, he shouldn't do that or he shouldn't say that, right? But then I have, you know, my wing commanders, my group commanders being like, this is awesome, right? Because uh, being you is what sets the tone in a culture within your environment that allow people to come to work and be themselves. Uh, and so he really, really embraced and, and taught me how to ensure that, you know, when you put that uniform on and you leave home, when you come to work, it's, you're still at home. 
you're still hanging out, you're still smiling, you're laughing, you're joking, you're being yourself. Uh, and that didn't and that didn't change. And so that's what he really, really helped me embrace um during my time up there. So wow, that's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, you're kind of naturally drawn to thinking outside the box. And so it, it kind of strikes me as he was encouraging you to do that. And and anyone who you know had a different opinion, you're just doing something different. And as you know, there's when you do something different or out of the norm, someone's going to be like, Hey, you can't do that. And then you're like, why? And they're like, I, I don't know. You just can't, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, so, absolutely. I love that you, you think outside the box and you had a mentor that, that really fostered that. Cause that's definitely one of your strengths, man. I wanted to do a top five lessons learned from any special duty that, you know, I came across. You've had two experiences in special duties and we're going to go over the top five lessons that you've learned with those two experiences. So what were the two positions that you held? Yeah, so I saw the Airman Leadership School instructor uh, from 2014, uh, uh, well into 2018. Uh, then I went back to my AFSC, which is Security Forces, uh, for about 15 months. Uh, and then I did my time with uh, at a command chief exec, working on project management, things like that, uh, for about 17, 18 months, and then came back into the EPME world as a commandant. So now it's where I reside right now, the commandant Edwards Airman Leadership School. Uh, and so, you know, I, I love being back in the educational world because I think it's one of the biggest things that we as, you know, as airmen don't get a lot of say in uh, because, you know, uh, Barnes Center Air University, uh, they do awesome things, uh, but, you know, they're, they're constrained to trying to follow a certain format, right, when it comes to uh, CCF, right, and making sure that, you know, airmen still get their college credits and things like that. And so I wanted to come back to really, really, really make a difference. Um, and, and that's through testing. Uh, and so we, we are the only test ALS in the United States Air Force. I'm super proud of that because uh, we, we run anywhere from a three to $6 million portfolio of testing evaluation of just outside the box things that could potentially make an impact on airmen uh, personally and professionally. Wow, man. How fun is that? You got like a sandbox ALS. Like that's crazy. Sandbox, man. You can fail every single day through a multitude of different tests. Uh, and then we also involve the airmen in the process. Uh, so they get to learn about, you know, small business, innovation, research, research and development. Uh, and so they get to be a part of these tests uh, and conversations that directly go up to, you know, higher Air Force, uh, United States Air, uh, Space Force and building their programs. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's awesome for airmen to be a part of that and kind of get to again go back to what we talked about, that why, right? So they get to see why they're doing something at the unit level. And then I get to send them emails or, you know, um, conversations that I've had, you know, uh, with, with our CFM or maybe conversations he had with, with SIMSAT. And so for them to be able to see the full picture. They, they get excited because not every airman gets that when they go back to their job. And so that, that's one important thing that we try to incorporate within, within our, our ALS because I understand there are other schoolhouses that really stay confined to the curriculum. And that's what their focus is. Um, and so our focus is the curriculum because that's super important. Um, but to me, what's more important is what they learn within those flexibility hours uh, and what we control as a cadre. And so we focus on uh, that test and evaluation piece and, and how they can make a big impact across the Air Force. Yeah. And, and getting their feedback would be super valuable. And then you get, you know, every class has probably a different vibe about them collectively. So you get to try different approaches and see how that messes with, you know, the different vibes. 
I, I had a similar experience in honor guard, getting the new rotations of airmen. And I say, well, okay, last time I, you know, took this approach that didn't really work. And, you know, let me try this and let me say that. And, you know, by that last class, I mean, it was dialed in, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and here's a good example, right? You probably had people go to honor guard because how you carry yourself and how you are running your honor guard, right? Um, where some people, maybe they get long told, right? Um, or you have to go ALS, you have to go because you have a line number or somebody's pushing you. Uh, and so I like the fact that somebody could say, you know what, uh, you know, Sean White, right? He, he's, he's going to ALS, right? Um, and, and he's running ALS and, and I want to go just because he's running that ALS, right? Or running that honor guard. Uh, we have airmen, like I got an airman coming in on Friday from DC. Whoa. He could go to the ALS at Andrews. Um, and so because of his job, he's coming all the way to Cali. He's like, man, I want to learn everything you guys are doing on wearables, biofeedback, test and evaluation, because this is going to make a big impact. So his leadership was like, you know what, we need to send you to this ALS because it's probably going to better equip you because of what they're doing, because we built our ALS to support our mission, and that's test. Uh, and so to, to, to hear and see those things, it makes it a little bit more uh, warming to understand that people are paying attention to what we're doing. Uh, and because every every ALS is doing awesome things, uh, but I, I do like to think that, you know, we're just a little bit more unique uh, than others. And so, uh, you know, that's that's all big shout out to the cadre and the team. And they just they work hard every day. Yeah, man, I <clears throat> we could probably do a whole episode on on just that experience, because how unique is that, man? I'm I'm so happy that you're you know, you got you in the hot seat running that show. You know, what an opportunity, man. So keep at it, bro. Make it better for everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. So your first lesson learned from serving those two tours that you you sent me here was talk less and listen more. Act on what airmen tell you. No, absolutely. So I, I, I think there's obviously one thing that, you know, uh, you can never master. Uh, but this was a personal experience for me uh, because I, I'm really bad at, at kind of cutting people off. I, I, I love to talk. Or I, you know, over time, had to understand that, you know, um, there's a big difference from hearing and listening, right? And so I, even though I might hear somebody and I'm still listening to them, man, I get so excited when I hear something and I just want to like, boom, and I, I want to go out there. And so when I was an ALS instructor, I definitely learned as an instructor and need airmen, you know, I'm not just paving their career. I'm, I'm paving a life path for them. Uh, they may leave ALS and be like, yeah, the airport isn't for me. Or... It'd be like, man, you know what? I've now experienced a different side uh, and met somebody that kind of gave me a different perspective. So I really understood that it, it, I, I had to make sure that I listened uh, to the airmen. Uh, and so I, 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 this is something I still work with. My, my team will tell you all the time. That's probably the number one feedback is making sure that I listen to them, uh, really pay attention to them. My wife will say the same thing, making sure I'm listening to her and her needs. Uh, and so it's definitely something that there's a vulnerable uh, side of me is something that I work on every single day. Uh, but I truly believe when you listen to an airman uh, and, and you really give them the opportunity uh, to, to talk to you and then you show them that you will act on those things, uh, that that could be the difference maker of retaining top tier talent. I truly believe that. Yeah, it's weird how like those little things you know, you, you might remember that they're trying to retrain and, Hey, you know, I know a guy I'll follow up with you. And, you know, it's so easy to forget that you said that and you want to help everyone. So, you know, you, 
you probably are in situations where you say things like that, but then when you actually run back into them and you're like, Hey, I did talk, you know, uh, with this, with my buddy that's in, you know, whatever career field, and he, he wants to link up with you and, and kind of give you the scoop. And then they're like, Whoa, like you actually followed up with me on that. Like, that's crazy. You know, you get this like surprise reaction and man, it could be something as, as small as that, that could change that person's whole life. Yeah. And I think one of the things I, I learned, uh, especially from a uh, chief Barnshaw, chief Ison is, uh, you know, just be an everyday manager, right? You don't, you can be there for somebody without directly being there for somebody, right? Just like you said, right? Um, so when somebody asks me for help, if I know I'm the right person, boom, I, I'll take care of them. Uh, but nine out of 10 times, I'm not the right person, right? You know, think about how many jobs we have in the Air Force, military or civilian. Uh, we are paying people to do those jobs. So why not just send that person to the person that is SME, right? I can be a SME in, in tons of things and read. Um, and so nine out of 10 times, it takes me about 30 seconds I say, oh, you need help. I know, I know a person. I email them. I do an introduction, or it could even be through social media, doing an introduction or LinkedIn. And then now that person is taken care of. And then if they reach back out and they need something else, um, or they just want to have a discussion because they talked to this person and they want me to kind of confirm what they're telling them, uh, then absolutely I'll do that. But I, I save a lot of time indirectly trying to help people. Uh, and then also, you know, just giving other people an opportunity to to feel good about themselves, right? Because, uh, you know, those uh, those chemicals that we get released in our body when we help somebody, why do I want to take all of that? You know, when I can spread it, you know, to four, five, six, seven different people a day uh, to give them opportunity to do the same thing. And then they get to go home and feel good and, you know, tell their spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, that, man, I, I got to help somebody today. Uh, and so for me, that that's my goal. Um, I don't want to help everybody. I want to give everybody else an opportunity to help others. No, that's beautiful, man. I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it that way. So that's awesome, man. Thank you. All right. It took me a long time to get there. Hey, man, <laughs> but you're you're there now. That's all that matters. Um, okay, so number two here, be authentic. Being authentic is more inspiring than the process. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and this is a short one because we kind of talked about it, but you know, being authentic just comes down to being yourself. Right. Um, and when I say that, it's just the core to who you are, um, the core to me, um, you know, right. I'm, you know, I'm quirky. I, I think I'm the most funniest person alive, but my team and my wife and everybody else would probably say I'm not, <laughs> um, you know, I'm smiling. I'm, I'm doing things that probably typically most people won't do. Uh, a prime example of being myself is um, my current wing commander. When I was working up at the wing, uh, he went TDY. Uh, and if you know anything about tests or, or you see the pictures in my, in my brand that, I, that I've kind of built with my team, uh, it's all about orange, right? Test is the way. Um, so our color is orange. And because every test component, wires and things on aircraft are orange. And so when he left, um, without permission, I painted all our pillars and our front wing office orange. Uh, you did that? I, I just, I got the paint. I made sure it was legit. Um, and then I went in his office and I painted one of his walls orange. I took all the stuff down off the wall, painted orange. Um, and a lot of people, uh, you know, across our base were like, you know, they come up there and be like, oh, we should paint this back white. Um, to this day, they're still orange. Um, and our and our wing slogan is test is the way. Um, and so um, I had a team, you know, John White, and, my, and he was a big component of that. And, and, uh, and my team now, uh, you know, Man, they 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 kind of dub testers away, and now you go through our ALS. We got banners of like orange walls down the bottom, stuff like that. And so, um, but I never got in trouble for that, and I didn't ask permission. 
Um, and that was just something that I thought would help build that culture. Uh, and now everybody across the base is kind of embracing it, right? Um, and so uh, for me, that's something that, you know, I think you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons and, and kind of feel out those relationships. Uh, but that was me being authentic and building and embracing something that I felt that was right for, for our organization. Uh, and, you know, and I do those same things personally as well. No, I think that's, that's genius, man. You took such a small concept, but it had such a large message, <clears throat> which is, hey, I, every single person that's in this career field that's, that's innovating needs to think and operate on their own feet. They can't rely on everybody else's opinion. They can't rely on asking everyone for permission and going waiting forever up and down the chain of command because, as you know, a lot of stuff gets lost and, and a lot of these good ideas never happen. Um, and yeah, so absolutely. you took, you, you took it into your own hands and it was just a simple act of painting, but you showed everyone, Hey, this is possible. You can do things and you can make positive change without having to ask 20 people permission. Yep. And it was just yeah. such a simple concept. And the fact that it's still orange to this day, I think is a testament that you were, you were on the right track, man. That's genius, yeah. man. Worst, worst case I painted back white. <laughs> Well, right. I call CE say, hey, I need some white walls painted. Like, I'm broke from all that orange paint, man. Can y'all help me out? Yeah. <laughs> um, was there ever a time where you were uncomfortable being your authentic self? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, to this day, I think I probably still deal with it. Um, but, you know, I, I have a tattoo uh, that has basically a question mark and exclamation mark. Uh, what it stands for is, you know, exclamation mark, right? It's kind of putting that stamp like, ah, like, right, I'm here. Like, let's get excited. Uh, that's who I am, right? And anybody that knows me, uh, that's the type of energy I bring every single day. Uh, but for people that don't know me, I'm a huge mystery, right? Um, but within that mystery, people think I'm arrogant. Um, I'm all about myself. Uh, and, and I don't care about others, right? But again, uh, that's why I have a question mark. Because again, you don't know who I am, right? Uh, and so... Once you get to know me, then you understand that, oh, this is just who he is. Um, you know, this is just how he comes off. And this truly is just himself being authentic. Uh, but I do think when you're the loud person in the room at times, people can think you're arrogant. Uh, you're the look at me type person. Uh, and so, you know, it's 100% not who I am. Uh, I invest in myself and I take care of myself, um, you know, and I want to be successful, uh, however you might define that. Um, but every single day I wake up and I just want to, I want to help airmen. I want to help, I want to help people, civilians, uh, anybody across the force uh, that, that has a problem that they can't currently solve. Uh, I'll help you. And it could be any, any career field. I think I got a project in maintenance right now. I got a project in CE, a project in medical. Um, there's not a career field like that. I won't help just for the mere fact is that, you know, I, I, it doesn't take you being a SME in that career field. It just takes you to have some outside of the box thinking. Oh, yeah, man. And, and I, I totally agree with you where like, if you put yourself out there, like you're going to have somebody, someone's going to have something negative to say about it, you know, whether that's your intention, your personality, they just make an assumption. So what, what you when they say leadership takes courage, I think it kind of falls into that, right? Because we could all take the easy way out and not say anything on our mind and not try to do anything that no one asked us to do. We could just show up, do our job and go home. But Anything outside of that, it does take some resilience. It does take some courage because not everyone's going to be on board with it. Yeah, man. It's, it's scary to be yourself, right? That's the that's that's sad reality that we live in, 
Uh, because again, it go back to what we talked about, right? You put this uniform on, you know, there's certain leaders that have expectations for you. Uh, and so for me, I, I don't carry that. You know, my my uniform is, is something that I'm proud to wear every single day, um, but it doesn't define who I am and how I interact throughout the day. That That's all what's underneath the uniform. Awesome, man. All right, number three. <clears throat> I'm okay, you're okay. Start from the position that everyone is doing the best they can. Learn to encourage and support, which is more rewarding than finding fault. Man, this is, uh, man, I talk to the airmen all the time about this. And, and this is something I could do a whole podcast on this one. Uh, but short and sweet, uh, man, we're all different, right? We all come from different backgrounds. We talk about, right, diversity has been a huge topic of conversation over the last, you know, two years. Um, and, you know, uh, I could put it simply as this, right? Uh, we all come in to do a job. Uh, and sometimes that job takes one person three months, another person six months, another person nine, and another person 12. Does that make the person that did it in three months better than the person that did it in 12? No, it doesn't. But in the Air Force, that's how we've defined success for an airman. Well, this person did it in three. So now maybe they should get BTZ because this person did it in 12. I don't agree with that. Uh, because again, we all have different experiences before we join the Air Force. I'm not a mechanical person, not a hands-on person. It takes me a lot longer to, to, to be technically sound in certain areas uh, as in other airmen. And to be vulnerable, when I went back to security forces, when I was going for promotion, I told my command, he said, why should I promote you? I said, you shouldn't. I said, but I will promote because I know I've worked hard. But I also said, I think we had six flight chiefs at the time. I said, I am your sixth best flight chief. Why? Because I spent my, most of my career outside of security forces or doing odd end jobs. Uh, and I'm not the best cop you have. I said, but I did tell him, I said, but I am your best leader. Um, I will build you airmen and defenders that are going to be able to do not just, they're not just going to be able to guard a, guard a gate shack, right? Or drive a police vehicle or write tickets. Um, they're going to be able to do things that, that, that are unimaginable for, for, for a, a senior airman or A1C um, or even a brand new staff sergeant. Uh, and so, you know, I always, always remind myself of that when I'm talking to people uh, that, you know, if somebody did nine things off the checklist and missed the 10th, why is it that we always point out the 10th and one thing they did wrong and not the nine? So I don't do that. I will embrace the nine things they did right uh, and then ask them to walk me through the 10 steps. Uh, because now what I've done is I've just, all I did was focus on building them up and how awesome they are, that they're going to enjoy missing that 10 step. And it's not even that serious, right? Uh, so as long as lives aren't, aren't at line and I know it's not malicious, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to break somebody down because they made a couple mistakes. Uh, and so again, though, Right. That's me being authentic. A lot of people don't agree with that. Some people will say, no, they need the MFR, they need LOC, you need to track this. What if it's a trend? It's not. If people really want to be amazing and awesome airmen and support the United States Air Force, they're going to do so. And maybe they have 10 mistakes and another airman only has two. It doesn't matter. They're both great in their own mindset. Wow, man. You're, you're like, this is like music to my ears. Um, because I see a lot of like short-sightedness of like, 
you know, we have those leaders that are, are only 100% focused on a metric, something that they can measure, whether good or bad. Uh, you never hear about the good. They exploit the bad. The, the good stuff is like a footnote. And then the one bad thing is like the whole conversation. And like when that becomes the norm, people don't even want to try because they don't want to, you know, they're, they're so terrified to make any little mistake because it's going to get exploited. Um, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, that investment that you're putting in into that airman is huge because you're, you're giving them the confidence to believe in themselves and that's how you innovate, right? Yep. You innovate by giving the people the courage that their voice will be heard and they're, and they will be treated with respect with what they bring to the table. I and mean, if you skip out on that and you just focus on the metric piece, they're just going to shut up in, in color. And they're doing it being themselves. And being authentic, which means they're living a happy and purposeful life. There you go. Nope. All right. Number four, being right isn't enough. Make airmen's ideas a reality. Yeah, man. I think this goes, you know, back to, you know, why, uh, you know, Chief Barnshaw and Chief Eisen were such huge impacts in my career. Um, and then just in my life personally and professionally, because uh, not only were they my bosses, they're, they're, they were also my friends. Uh, and so I had ideas and they, any way possible to make them reality. Uh, and so, you know, even as being a commandant, you know, I have airmen come in and they're like, man, I, I think I think this could work, right? Even at a unit level, group level, whatever it may be. And I'm like, all right, awesome, let's do it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we will we will work a lot of projects with airmen. Uh, you know, I think I have three, three going on four. I got one in the works that are specifically developed and created by airmen. And all I'm doing is just helping them find the resources, right? Whether it's, um, you know, maybe they need supplies, maybe they need some type of tech platforms. Uh, and so that's where really where I dive in and I love LinkedIn because I can constantly reach out, reach out to people I'm connected with um, to get them into meetings and different things like that and, and pitch ideas. Um, because a lot of people don't realize is the Air Force has so many different offices that are looking for use cases. And they got money and they're ready to spend it, but we just, we don't do a good job at, at advertising that down, right? Um, so it's why you always see the general officers or the chiefs or some of the snazzy uh, NCOs and senior NCOs, which is a very select few that are always doing these awesome, cool things, but that's because they know the process, right? They were blessed to be connected with somebody or get a job to do that. And so um, my job is not just to develop airmen, it's to develop ideas. And, and that's our vision at, at our Airman Leadership School. And that's my vision and my purpose while I serve the Air Force is, is if you have an idea and you don't know where to go, let's sit down, let's have a conversation and let me figure out if this is worth your while. If it is, I will do everything in my power to make sure you get in front of the right people to pitch your idea. Um, and I know we got awesome things like Spark Tank and things like that, but man, you know how many awesome ideas go up through there? like big Air Force level impacts. Uh, there's so many that you get all these little ideas that would make huge impacts on people. Um, they get kind of hidden, right? And so I, I'm a big believer in trying to bypass some of those competitions is just get them in front of the right people uh, and then help them out. And then what it does is I'm now building a project manager uh, and they get to understand project management principles that they wouldn't learn on their day-to-day -day job, just doing checklists or, you know, checking in people or whatever it may be, or, or being at the gate. Uh, and so you're just building confidence in somebody to, to, again, 
be a leader and do something that is just saying, hey, I think this is going to make an impact. I think this is going to be huge. Uh, and and I'm just going to run with it. And so I really, I just try to be a middleman to, to help people's realities come true. And we need that because you're right. You don't know where to begin sometimes. And even, and I had a good idea. Um, we had this honor guard database that uh, a coworker of mine created. He spent like five years on it. And all the other honor guards are in the, like the stone age with like how they track funerals. And I pitched this to everybody and everyone agreed that it was the best idea ever, but they didn't know what to do with it. Uh, and I did apply for spark tank. It didn't go anywhere. And then what we eventually just did was send it to every base <laughs> And then they yeah. used, and then they all used it. I mean, so it just came down to just sending it to all of them because like no one would help us. And this is the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is shareability. Shareability is one of the problems we have in the Air Force right now, right? Is we have all these awesome ideas. And I, actually I posted one at Wright-Patterson where an airman, the base had a problem with uh, classified hard drives, right? And, and a lot of people don't know it's very expensive to get those machines is also very expensive to do them individually, right? And outsource. So he got approval, uh, his leadership spent $750 on Amazon to get the tools to do it himself. $750, which saved the base three to $400,000 that first year. Oh my God. Now, now let me tell you how many people he shared that with. Right? And no, no fault to him, right? And I asked the question. I was like, "Hey, man!" I was like, "You know, are you gonna like talk about this, share this?" He was like, "Oh, well, when I go to my next base, I'll share it with them." I'm like, "Now that's only two bases." Um, and so you know, that's another reason why I'm I'm a huge component of you know social media, you know, uh, UMU leadership, QU, LinkedIn, uh, anything that I do or any awesome thing I see, I share it. Um, because I want people to know, like, man, people are doing awesome things. They probably have similar problems. Let's find a way to standardize this. So, um, yeah. so definitely, man, shareability is definitely one of the big things. Yeah, and I've I've leaned on that big time. I, if it makes everything better, like I don't care who gets the credit. If it's gonna make things better, then I'm I'm just gonna shotgun it out. You know what I mean? That's my yeah. philosophy. Nope. Um. Okay, we're gonna go into the last lesson learned here. Number five. Everyone has a story. Find a way for each airman to understand and tell their story in a way that they understand. Yeah, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off using you first. Okay. And so think about this, right? You have how many times have you told told your story? A lot. <laughs> now, how many people do you think have listened to your story? Well, I've told a lot of people in person and I've made a few podcast episodes. Um, it, it, it hard, it'd be hard to put a number to it though. Yeah. Let's say, let's say a hundred, let's say a hundred. I, I think that's fair. And I think I'm low ball. It's probably more like four or 500 because you, you got a big follow. But well, let's say a hundred people. Out of that hundred people, how many, how many do you think have learned how to tell their story by I would hope a lot of them. Yeah, right. I would say 100 out of 100 because you now you have an example. But how many people people do you know that actually sit down with people, airmen, right, or civilians, whatever it may be, and actually help and assist those individuals to understand and tell their story? 
I'd say that doesn't happen that often. No, nah, right? Um, and so I use you as an example because I can almost bet that you have spent so much time sitting down with people that tell their stories like Chief Simmons and, um, and, and all these different awesome speakers, right? That you were just one of those very select few because this is what you, you were born to do and bred to do. And this is like your why and your passion, right? And so you learn to do that kind of yourself with the help of others along the way and listen, watching. But again, it goes back to how, how right, we talk about airmen and how they learn, right? And, and you learned how to do this in three months, right? Where maybe it takes me 12 months, right? And a lot of resources. Uh, we don't do that enough. We don't sit down with people and explain to them, hey, here's how you storytell. And here's how you can connect with people. Because that, to me, that's important. Um, the, the first thing I do when I hire an instructor is I say, hey, cool. And, and tell me how many people you've been in contact with as a leader. And then also tell me your story, right? Tell me who you are from start. Where were you born? Tell me things about you being a kid, right? Going through high school. Why did you join the Air Force? Tell me your story through the Air Force. Um, I, I want them to do that. And so that's one thing that we do at, at RALS is during my sessions, we talk about storytelling. We talk about how you can connect with your people. Uh, and I give them things that I've learned. Uh, and so I tell people all the time, this is one thing I tell people every single time is you can spend time reading every single leadership book, right? There's, there's millions of books out there that will, will tell you how to do something. Uh, but unless you figure out how you do it, none of those books will help. Like they'll give you kind of like different tricks and trades, right? Um, but right, I can talk about leadership right now. You could talk about leadership and it would be two different versions of leadership, right? I can talk about myself and my story and I can tell you that story. You would tell it differently than how I tell it. Um, and so for me, uh, it's super, super important that people understand how to tell their story because when you get into a leadership position, people need to understand who you are. And they can't understand who you are if they don't know your story, what you've been through, uh, and how you got to where you are today. No, man, I think that's, that is spot on, man. Um, in my first 10 years, I had like social anxiety. I couldn't public speak or anything. Like, it took me a long time to get there. So that's why I'm, I'm pretty passionate on also helping others develop their story. And I think there is a, a desire and a need for that because that initial feedback form, I don't know if you remember me posting that or not. It was like three pages long and it's kind of yep. guided towards that person's story. Like the questions are angled that way. And I posted just like a snippet of it. Cause like someone I knew was, was listed on there, like as a mentor and I was giving her a shout out. And then everyone's like, well, give me that form. Give me that form. It was downloaded like 3000 times. This is like, yep. obviously people want it. They want to have those conversations. And this kind of was a tool for them. And I thought that was awesome. But <clears throat> I started telling my story when I ran Honor Guard because it's such a hard job to do emotionally that I wanted to tell them like who I've lost, you know, service members, friends of mine. And like what this means to me to just kind of get them in that headspace because there are young kids coming from, you know, they might not have ever seen tragedy before, but I want them to connect with those families. I want them to be empathetic. And so I thought it was important to share that vulnerable side of, of my why and why I'm here and why I volunteered. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And, and you know, that's one thing uh, when we at the wing, we lost like 22 plus civilians and military while I was up there in a span of 17 months. 
it was just unheard of. I've never dealt with that many deaths um, at an installation. Uh, and it, it just all varies different reasons. Um, but being in that position, I did learn, like, you know, it's, it's a lot, man. Uh, people and human beings are, are impacted by death indirectly so much more than we give credit. Um, you know, even if you didn't know somebody, but um, for me, at least I think about, even if I didn't know somebody, but let's say somebody passed away at our base, I think about all the awesome things they did do, right? And, and all the people they did help. Uh, and so, you know, it, it does take a toll. And so I love that you tell your story. I, I love that other people are telling their stories. Um, and, you know, again, back to shareability, you shared that form, downloaded 3,000 times. Imagine, if, imagine how many people are doing something similar and just as awesome, no matter what it is, but they only share it with their top three, their five, six, right? Or their SELs or their squadron. Uh, man, it, it, we probably have a thousand different use cases that are being just hanging out, stuck at the base level because nobody wants to share it. Whether it's for promotional purposes or they just don't understand the impact, whatever it may be, like they're just holding on to it, right? Because naturally, you know, uh, as human beings, we are selfish to a certain extent, right? And that's okay. You should be, right? But, you know, uh, we can't accelerate change and move forward at the, at the pace that, that CSAF and SIMSAF uh, want us to if we don't start looking for ways to share the awesome things that we do as airmen every single day um, if we don't, don't move in that direction, right? Uh, because think about how many people are still saying, okay, I'm going to shoot an email to my SEO. That SEO has to email their SEO, email their SEO, right? Eventually you're going to reach a no, right? Or whatever it may be, or just get stuck, lost in the email. Um, but I can post something on LinkedIn and uh, or Facebook and I can have a command chief at Magicom level reach out to me on Facebook Messenger and be like, man, this is awesome. Like we need to talk. And right. that's, a, no, that's a real example. No, I, I know it. I know you're telling we'll the truth. We'll put them out there, but I had a Magicom level command chief reach out to me because I posted what we were doing, uh, one of the projects we were working on uh, through Facebook Messenger. And that's where we had our meeting. Um, and for me, it's like, imagine how many steps I skipped, right? And you're great, you still have to fill in your, your local leadership and things like that. Um, but, you know, to me, that's how you accelerate change. Uh, there has to be a risk and reward factor. Um, you know, right? Uh, you know what they say, right? You know, do what your stripes can handle. Um, I think people need to live up to that expectation a little bit more and take more risk. Um, understanding that, you know, that's that's the direction that we're headed and that's the type of leaders that, that CSAF and SIMSAF have said they want. Uh, so if that is the case, uh, then start doing that and, and understand that not everybody's going to like you. You know, I know for a fact there's people on my installation that do not like me. That's okay. I will still do everything I can to help them um, because I've understood they know how, no matter how nice or, uh, you know, appreciative I am to, to people, uh, people just will not like me. And that's okay, right? Because not everybody is meant to be friends. Uh, and and mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't be likable to everybody. Um, and so it's just a matter of understanding that, you know, we're in a family business. Um, and, you know, we all wear that uniform or support it. And so um, at the end of the day, I'm going to be myself, right? And, yeah, and being and yourself is taking those risks. Everything. Yeah, taking risks. That's a huge thing. We'll we'll end with that. Um you know, I I'm I'm a risk taker. I didn't always used to be, but I saw the power in it because it's an advantage that not many people capitalize on. Uh 
and so I always ask myself, like, am I doing this for the right reason? And will this make things better? And if both of those are yes, then I'm, I'm doing it. And if someone's got a problem with it, then they can tell me after I do it. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Like sending that honor guard database out to everybody. No one gave us the thumbs up to do that, but it would gen it would make things better for everybody. So we did it. Yeah. Not I'm um, so I did the same thing, man. We were working with a, a industry company and, and I thought it was beneficial that um, you know, uh, all the ALSs kind of, you know, have the opportunity to at least be involved if they wanted to. Uh and so, you know, I, I handed over all that data, you know. Um, you know, and some people may say, well, you know, you shouldn't do that, but it's like it's it's useful information. Like they need it. Right. They, it, we can't sit here and hold off on information if people are just going to sit back and be like, well, I can't do this. Well, they know you can. Uh, and so sharing that information helped out. And now I think out of almost 300 instructors, because sending that data out in syncing industry, we got like almost, I think, 44 percent of instructors certified in, in an awesome certification. That If I didn't send that data out, nobody would got certified. So. And, and Chad, I'll, I'll bring this up too. Um, you know, with the, with the, the other countries kind of catching up to us, we keep, we keep hearing about Russia and China, just, just killing it now. Like before there used to be this massive gap, you know, like after desert storm, there's this huge gap and we were the, the biggest power ever. And we, we had a lot of niceties from that. Like, Oh no, we route things and it takes this amount of months. And yeah, you, we had a lot of niceties. But we're the 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 race is getting neck and neck now. And so that's where you come in, you know, the way that you think. Because when it comes down to like winning, like we gotta we gotta change something to to make that gap a little bit bigger again. And that means sometimes doing something outside of the box, getting rid of barriers and doing what actually makes sense to getting ahead. Yeah, no, and you know, one thing I you know I learned. Uh, from one of my, my mentors a long time ago is people need to remember that AFI is a guidance, right? It's not law. It's a guidance, not law, right? Uh, and so uh, as, as long as lives aren't on the line, right? Uh, and, and you're not messing around with money. The probably the two biggest things I can, I can make examples of, um, there's guidance, right? It's guidance. Like I should contact, ask permission from this person. Doesn't mean I have to. Um, and I think that's where, you know, people understanding that, you know, as a, as an airman, NCO, senior NCO, an officer, it does not matter. Uh, when we came into the Air Force, we're all leaders, right? And so we should be able to make leader decisions no matter what the rank is. Um, and so when, when you empower airmen to be able to act as such every single day, uh, the, the ROI, the return on investment, it's, it's limitless. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's how I build airmen every single day. And anybody that I come in contact with is, you know, again, make, just make decisions, right? Take risks uh, because it only takes one decision uh, to put us a little bit further right um, from, from four plus one. Wow. Chad, I'm just blown away by you, man. No, nah, man, I'm blown away by you. No, bro. Like you're, you're forward thinking. Like you're everything you're saying is what's on my mind. Like the things that I, I'm frustrated with, the things that are close to my heart. Like I'm just so thankful you're in the position, you know, that you're in, uh, you know, in the innovation field and making things better. Because like that, that's the stuff that I've, I've been trying to preach forever, man. And 
And I'm just so impressed with you and your team uh, with the quarantine university. And you're just, you're just nonstop, man. You're, you're, you're doing everything you can to make it better for everybody. And I'm just so appreciative to have, you know, you as a, a peer, a mentor and, and someone that's on our team, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. And I'll tell you this, man, uh, you know, it's people like you that make you, you what it is. Um, I don't have to do anything with quarantine university, right. It was a, a, a huge leg lift right in the beginning and getting kind of go, but uh, getting it going. Uh, but people like you and, and everybody else um, going on there and kind of unofficially making it the platform that it is, uh, is, is the reason why it stands here today. Uh, you know, I log in, sometimes I kind of take things off every now and then, um, uh, you know, or, or approve people with different things like that. But outside of that, man, uh, you know, unless people get crazy in the comments, we got to shut it down. That's very rare. Uh, but man, that community at QU has been awesome. Uh, and again, uh, before COVID, we didn't have the opportunity to be able to reach out, you know, to the leaders and the awesome people that we have, we have in, in the force and in, in, in any branch, uh, and now we do. Uh, so I think it's just an awesome thing of, you know, just forward thinking and streamlining how we kind of connect with people and push things forward. So, so man, thank you for what you're doing because, you know, you're impacting a lot of people across the force. Uh, and, and I'm just super grateful that I was able to come on here and spend, you know, 45 minutes talking to you and, and just hearing some of your knowledge. And I guess because when I get off this call, it's going to make me a little bit smarter. So, man, thank you so much. What's up, Hero Front fam? Josh here. And I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to that episode in its entirety. I owe you a hug. And the next time I see you, let me know how many hugs I owe you and we'll get after it. Before you turn me off, though, I want you to subscribe on YouTube to the Hero Front Podcast and give me a five-star rating on Facebook or Apple Podcasts. It would be much, much appreciated to get your love and support. Again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us on this Hero Front journey, and I will see you on the next episode. Let's get after it.